Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poretz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, this will let me know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. Tonight's guest is Nancy Snell, a professional certified coach and consultant specializing in adult attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, better known as ADHD. And, in other words, bringing peace of mind to overwhelming, overwhelmed executives. Her focus is not about fixing a person, but on changing how he or she approaches getting things done at work so that high-performance results. Nancy herself was diagnosed with ADHD over 15 years ago and is today very passionate about helping others live effectively and powerfully. She's all about helping her clients master the skills to juggle competing priorities and overflowing to-do lists so they can optimize performance, efficiency, and productivity. Her coaching process is fast-focused, gets measurable results, and you can learn more about Nancy at www.nancysnell.com and follow her on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachnancysnell. Nancy, are you with us? I am right here. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So, first of all, uh, you know, a lot of people have heard the term, but uh, tell me, what is ADD, ADHD? Tell me more about this, so we'll have a little bit of a yeah. grounding. So, so, yeah, everybody banters the term ADD around today. It, ADD is a neurobiological disorder or disability, if you will. It's really about brain wiring and body chemistry. What we know is that it's caused by an imbalance or a deficiency of certain chemicals that regulate the brain's ability to regulate behavior and regulate itself. So it's really a diagnosis applied uh, for adults, I mean, who constantly display certain characteristics. Uh, It is a medical condition. It can be treated for a diagnosis of ADD, or ADD and ADHD today are interchangeable. In fact, it's more ADHD, but, you know, that's just semantics for, for purposes of, of this conversation. And um, so it, it can be treated. Um, it has to have onset diagnostically by the age of seven. So these behaviors have gone on and on and on throughout one's life if you look at over history. I just want to see if I understood what you just said correctly. Are you saying that this has to have happened by the age of seven? It has to have onset by the age of seven. So when when somebody who has gone their whole life and through the 20s and 30s, they've never had this sort of a diagnosis, and they start having these things, and they start saying, I think I have ADD, are they something else? Um, Yeah, so... See, there's this whole thing today about modern life, mm-hmm. and modern life, and some of uh, and and the information overload that we're all experiencing is impacting our ability to manage. So the, there's we're very much in a society that looks like uh, what we might call ADD traits. However, mm-hmm. diagnostically, 
this has had to be much pretty much throughout your life to have to have that diagnosis now can you uh can you remediate the same way behaviorally around time management and people who are overloaded and can't get there to do absolutely best practices mm. apply however di- for 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 an accurate diagnosis there has to be some history there so so what might be the difference for somebody who has been diagnosed they've had this all their life versus somebody who suffers from modern-day information overload and all those sorts of things. So when you say what's the difference, can you, can mm-hmm. you be a little bit more? Well, yeah, well, well, first of all, what are some of the symptoms that somebody who has ADD have? And also I'd like to compare that to the person who um, has those things where they start thinking they have it, but they're really just overloaded. Right. So... So some of the some of the symptoms that we you know that that characterize this are what we call hyperactivity, distractibility, impulsivity. Let me explain a little bit about you know what those what those terms mean in this context. Mm-hmm. So hyperactivity is really about uh, uh, mental restlessness, jumping from task to task, having a you know an overactive mind, you know being overwhelmed a lot, like like a motor running. Now, it, stereotypically, you hear about ADD, it's hyperactivity. I'm not ADD, I'm not hyperactive, you know, I can focus on things. So what it was, what ADD is in kids and children versus adults is very different. Let me, let me stick with the definitions and, then, sure. and the symptoms, and then I'll come back to that because that's a big thing. Yeah, it um, is. I thought, that I people don't, you know, so maybe hold that for me. Hold that okay. thought and, and bring me back to that. So uh, hyperactivity, as we know, in kids was where kids were, you know, jumping around on furniture, and you hear about little boys jumping all over the place. They can't sit still. They're, you know, destroying things. However, that was in kids. In, in adults, hyperactivity it may then become about, as I said, restlessness and not being able to stay focused or stay on one thing, being very fidgety or impatient. That's what it will look like in adults. Hmm. Impulsivity, you know, where where it used to be very physical, where, where a kid might hurt himself or herself or, you know, just having problems waiting turn, that might turn in adults to verbal impulsivity, meaning blurting out, Saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, speaking out of turn, and and then um, distractibility, which is really about failing to pay close attention to details, or or conversely, paying attention to a zillion things and a zillion details and missing all the social cues, and this is how it manifests in adults. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and I'd really like to go back to that. Uh more about the, the child. And actually, one of the things, I, uh, you know, now when I was a kid, th- th- this didn't exist. Well, uh, well, if it existed, I never heard of it. it. Precisely. So what we know today is that we, as the adult, we're all the kids that were never diagnosed. So we've been carrying, I'm not including you, I'm just saying, uh, you know, it, it, for, for adults, we carried around and we built up a lot of stigma and a lot of shame and a lot of com- trying to compensate and trying to fit in, even though many, many, many of us are really successful. Mm-hmm. Nobody would ever know this, this thing that we've been lugging around. We didn't even know. I didn't even know. And most didn't. Uh, because today, as you said, 
we know about it. In fact, today it's probably overdiagnosed, you know, with the kids. But today the kids are diagnosed, they're caught in school, they're caught early, and they're, the compensatory strategies are given. And, for example, my daughter is 24 now, she, almost. She was diagnosed when she was 8 in second grade. And at that time, and that's how I got into this, because in those days nobody ever even heard of this. And when when this uh, information was given to me, I became like a mother lion, and I went out there in the schools, learned how to advocate. Ultimately, I was learning for myself, too, to take care of my kid. But I began to learn everything about this. And uh, so they had they had a different shop than we had as adults. So and we, uh, so you're saying... Based on the ages that you're just tra- talking about for your daughter, it sounds like like that's the same age that you were diagnosed. So when when she was eight, it was when you were diagnosed. So shortly after that. Correct. It, it was together, which is also uh, very very typical of what happens because this is what we find is it's often genetically transmitted and hereditary. Mm-hmm. And what what you'll see and you hear stories over and over of a kid getting diagnosed, and the parents saying, hmm, that sounds like me, too, because we didn't have that knowledge when we were growing up because it, nobody nobody knew about it. Think of all the years so many of us spent in therapy, you know, and around wonderful practitioners and really smart doctors, but it wasn't in the mainstream, and it wasn't really until uh, Ned Hallowell wrote the book, Driven to Distraction, which was probably around that time, you know, 14 years ago, 15 where this whole thing, where he really brought it to the mainstream. I'd like you to actually re- repeat that title for anybody who's listening who might want to read it, who hasn't oh, heard it. Oh, absolutely, because this is the seminal work. It's called Driven to Distraction. If you want to post that too, Andrew. Yeah, it's I will. Driven, Driven to Distraction, a brilliant title in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's by Dr. Ned Hallowell, H-A-L-L-O. W E L L. Great. Yeah. So you know, if any when anybody asks me if there is there a book to read, I said, well, yes, there's one. If you had to read one, just read one. And just so everybody knows, Hallowell is completely ADD. He's a Harvard-educated psychiatrist, and many ADDers say, well, I can't read a book. I can't sit and read. And precisely, this book was written for ADDers, meaning it's not a novel. Mm-hmm. You can pick it up, open it to any page at any time, and get something from it. Sounds like my kind of book. Exactly. It's it's the kind of book for so many of us. So uh, what are some of the things that would make somebody think, I might have that, I should probably find out? Yeah, so I might want to explore it further. So, let's see. Some of the things you might want to you might want to think about or look for if you think you might be ADD. Uh, inconsistent performance, d- despite great effort. So, you know, you're doing great one hour and lousy the next. So, consistent mm-hmm. inconsistency. So, um, you never quite feel together, no matter how hard. You're, that's all your, your, so much of your energy is in keeping it together. And right. no matter what you do, you never quite feel like you have it together. There's always something. Mm-hmm. Loose ends that are driving you nuts all the time. Uh, issues around time management. So you're finding that you're really terrible 
maybe at estimating in advance how long a task is going to take or or getting organized around those kinds of things, organizing your, you know, your thoughts and organizing your day and organizing your tasks. You're you're experiencing yourself procrastinating, just driving you crazy. You're procrastinating and avoiding and you're really a last minute kind of person always and just always sort of spending a lot of excess energy chasing yourself trying to get things done. You're um going off on tangents. Your mind is chronically wandering. Is some of this sounding is this sounding like a profile of what I'm talking about? Sure, absolutely. Okay. I would imagine any one of these things you're speaking of or even a couple or two or three of them there there are things that uh, could happen to any one of us and it does not have to have anything to do with ADD or ADHD, right? Totally right. So this is about for for to be ADD, it's about chronic and per- persistent, and it's happen it happens over time, you know, in spite of your best efforts. And these things are really bothering you, right? You know, these things are in, in, impacting your ability to function the way you want to function. They're getting in your way, and that's when you might take a look at them. It's and not so- about labeling. And where we, where do, and you, do you see a doctor for this? Do you see what type of a doctor do you see to get to find this out? Oh, to find this out. So, yeah, there there are doctors. Uh, there's no blood test. There's no brain scan. There, the closest we have, I believe, is it's called a SPECT, S-P-E-C-T, the the Amen A-M-E-N clinics mm-hmm. do a lot of brain work, not diagnostic, but they're really able to see that that the brains in ADDers are very different. And, and different parts light up than, than a quote-unquote normal brain. So there are psychologists who do uh, neurological testing, and they can diagnose. Very often, though, it's fr- many of us self-diagnose by reading the history and by right. reading the, the scales and by reading these checklists. And then a formal diagnosis, is, I think, is really mandated more if you really want to uh, explore medication, it's really okay. important. It's important for that, and medication has great efficacy. That's a whole other topic, right there. Right, which is like really not for us, other than just to acknowledge that that's what's, what's one of the things that they do for it. Yeah, that's absolutely one of the things, and you know what we say is the pill is not the skill. So, <laughs> recovery, if you will, from this this ADD disability is, is, is a multifaceted approach. Number, the, the, the first thing is about education and understanding and, and reading everything you can. Another thing is about community. Another thing is about medication. Coaching is, is, a, is probably one of the best interventions that anyone could do because it's about action, it's about tasks, it's about structure. So the coaching enables people to have external structure where they can't mobilize internally and the accountability and have systems in place where, you know, where we're not on our own. So that's a great way to go. Well, what kind of systems are the types of things that you would come up with as a coach for somebody? So, for example, I have a, a, a proprietary system that I developed called Turn Intentions into Action, mm-hmm. and it's a step, seven-step process, which is in essence what the coaching 
system looks like. Should I sort of tell you what those steps are? Sure. Okay. So we so what we do when, when somebody comes is we go in and we identify the challenges and the obstacles that are always stopping you. So we take that inventory. And I ask questions to find out what, what these challenges are. And then we get really clear on the big picture together, uh, all of the individual parts that make up the blueprint or the moving pieces of, of one's life. So at, we're, we're identifying the obstacles they're encountering or have, and we're finding out what stopped them to date and why these specific challenges exist in the first place. And then we design success. Now, that looks different for everybody, depending on what's going on. We design so that they know what their life will look like, will feel like, will sound like once they've gotten the results that they want. Mm -hmm. Together we get very clear. You're you're aware of this process. Uh, Then we establish identifiable goals together. I like like to call them macro. We We work from macro to micro. Okay. And then we reduce each goal... And I think this is the most this is the most important part. And a lot of the work I do is gets very granular and le- very labor intensive in here, which is about reducing each goal to manageable parts, one at a time, breaking them down into teensy weensy small possible actions slash next steps to take to start moving towards the bigger goal. So it's all in there about conscious decision making mm. no. and accountability. And which is like that's where you and I are uh, do some. We work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I'd like to hear when you were talking about uh, designing success, and you said it's different for everybody. But could you give me uh, a couple of examples? So, for example, let me let me think of somebody that I was uh, was working with recently. So I, I worked recently with a marketing communications executive. He had been a, a marketing manager, a VP of brand manager, director of communications. had an amazing resume and seemingly lots of uh, success that was peppered with chronic constellation of behaviors that kept – and he actually kept getting fired. He lost many jobs. Uh, because he because of lack of follow-through on projects. And, and these are also textbook lack of inability to listen to instructions, poor time management, inability to prioritize and handle workloads. So what we did is we began delving into the specifics of each one of uh, in each situation of what was stopping him on a very practical level, meaning we converted the theory into specifics so that we, we could begin to take action around each one of those things once we knew what the roadblock is, one teeny step at a time. So in this case, it turned out that we discovered how we discovered that he didn't have a system in place for organizing his life day to day. Meaning, he didn't have a planner, he didn't have a calendar, so he had no sense of how to manage time. So once we identified that, we developed that together step by step. He, which involved going out and find physically finding one that was going to work for him. Mm-hmm. We talk through, okay, in a very micro way, okay, do you want to experiment looking at one week at a time, one day at a time? What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? Talking about the habit of writing in a planner. Where does that have to be? Where do you have to carry it? What stopped you from, and then how it functions. 
Meaning, so as we got, it's about sustainable skills and it's about learning new behavior and, and integrating new habits in a very conscious and intentional way that ultimately one begins to get one's whole life together around managing time. Does that God. make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I want to remind anybody listening live here on Thursday night, if you have a question, you can call in at 646-929-2893. And if you're, you've called in and you have a question, press 1 on your phone, and then I'll know that you have a question. Otherwise, I will assume you just want to listen. We do have somebody listening right now, and that's great. Okay, you also great. have a chat room live on the site. Right. <laughs> Hi, you out there. Yeah, that's right. It's you out land. there. In Radio Land or Blog Talk Radio Land. So back to this this yeah. client. So after the first month of doing this painstaking work together, he actually did have a planner and was actually using it. And I say it that way because it's so curious with, with executives, whether it's CEO or it's an MBA or it's a uh, you know hedge fund manager, as we get into the unmanageability of their lives, 99% of the time it's because they don't have a planner in place and a little system around that that's working for them. So they have something here, something there, something, and as a result they're scattered and really unhappy. So as was the case with this person, after a month he actually got it and was using it. And so now he's doing a great targeted job search in a focused way, showing up for appointments and not overbooking himself. And, you know, he learned how to manage and plan and prioritize his to-do list. And And he's also changed so many of the messages that he's telling himself to be more kind to himself now because he's mm. feeling successful and he has hope today and feels way more in control of his life than he did a very short time ago. So that's sort of how the process goes. Got it. Now, I just want to talk um, about the kinds of things that that I'm wondering if you could help somebody with that I really I don't know if these means you have ADD, if this means or they're just other kind of areas. But for example, like I'm somebody who uh, I will, you know, I'm the proverbial, I will forget my head if it wasn't attached person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the other day I walked out of the house without my phone. Mm-hmm. That's for the second time in a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've come up with all kinds of great little systems and alarms and and multiple backups to remind me of all sorts of things, but then I still have those moments where I'm missing something somewhere and I forget something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if, uh, if the kinds of things you do could help that sort of situation. Well, absolutely. So, so I'm hearing, though, that the way you presented it, that this is an occasional thing that happens. It's, well, it's much better than it used to be. Um, but you know it, these things happen, and I will like get really frustrated. Like, why why can't I find my keys? Uh, so, sort of for example, moment. if we were working together, we wouldn't be talking in all these generalities. We would be working on one topic at a time. Mm-hmm. So it may be, you know, I lose my keys all the time. Right. Right. So then we would drill into okay. So let's talk about that. What goes on with you and your keys? 
And then within that conversation, we would be able to create a strategy for you around your keys. So it might be something like, where's a, where, where's someplace in your house uh, where you live that you could consistently put your keys every single time? Right. Because we actually do find that people who put their keys metaphorically and really realistically in the same place all the time increase their productivity exponentially. Interesting. That's a fact. Well, I just learned something. Okay, good. So in that case, what we would do is we would, you know, and this is not nothing to do with ADD. This has right. to do with life manageability. Mm-hmm. So the conversation would be, okay, so so coach Andrew, tell me where in your home could you put your keys every single time you come in the door? You know, I used to have this uh key thingy that attached outside of my uh, my bedroom. Mhm. Um and when I had a paint job, it came down and I've never you know re- reattached it, but that was a great place. Okay, so that place worked for you. Yeah, it did. So what would you need to do to reattach it to that place? Uh, I think it's probably nothing more complicated than getting some good, strong, double-sided tape. Ah, so if you got some good, strong, double-sided tape, you could reattach it, and then you would have a place for your keys so you wouldn't really have to worry about them, and you could reduce a little bit of stress. Right. Okay, great. So what... What do you need to do to get some double, double-sided double tape? I need to uh, make a note of going out and getting some double-sided tape. It's really not that that complicated. I could actually go right after the show and go to uh, Rite Aid. Ah. Open till midnight. So how committed are you to getting that, getting those keys back in a place where they're consistent? Oh, I, that this is uh, this is great. Now that you've told me, now I don't know if causing, you know, I don't know if there's a cause and effect there. If if I go and now take on having my keys in the same place every day will now create that, you know, me being more effective, or if it's or if it's simply that effective people do that. You know what I mean? Still, <laughs> that's well, okay, there's a motivational so, possibility there. Well, but the point is, it really doesn't matter. Right, that's what I'm saying. Don't it matter. Really matter. What matters is whether you're ADD or you're feeling some uh, discomfort because you just are really sick of not being able to find your keys every single time. Right. And it's annoying you. Then there's a solution, and the reality is, everyone always says, "Oh, this is so ridiculous! How, how, what a baby step, and how simple!" Mm-hmm. And they feel foolish that quote unquote they didn't think of it. Right. And th- but this, this is, and that's what's foolish. But yet. That's why we need each other, and, and you know this. You, you're a coach. This is what we do mm-hmm. because we think through in a logical way. Okay, so now let, let's just see this out. So what you said or what I heard is that after the show tonight, you could go to Rite Aid and buy this tape. Yes. So what could stop you from doing that? Uh, the phone rings before I go out the door, and next thing you know, I'm talking to somebody for an hour. Okay, so got it. So you see what we're doing here. So if sure. we were coaching, we would make a commitment. You would make mm-hmm. a commitment, and then we would have some accountability around that. And before you know it, 
you would be so happy because you would not be worrying about your keys anymore. Absolutely. So this this right here, this could be the key for me. <laughs> this will hopefully be the key. Absolutely. Cool. And I understand that we're talking about baby step, and we're not even saying that this means anything other than that I'm a guy who misplaces my keys. But I know I've used many strategies. You know, like I'm, like I live and die by my my PDA, Mm -hmm. my phone, which is which is why I said like for me to walk out the door without it is pretty extraordinary. But this has all my 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 appointments and what I do. I'm a redundant calendar guy. Mm-hmm. I have I use uh, Yahoo alerts and text messages to subscribe to to reminds me of things that I have to do and, th- and eventually they they become such they actually do become a habit. Yeah, that's great. So so you have controls and systems around you that are wor- that you've devised that are working for you. Yeah, and they're very redundant because I'm you know I'm I'm a I'm a snooze alarm hitter. Yes. So that's why I have the second alarm mm-hmm. in case I hit that one too many times. Mm-hmm. So it's all about individualized solutions. Mm-hmm. So how did function. you now? You once you you learned about ADD. Um, which came first? You went for coaching. Uh, you became a coach, or you learned about ADD? Did these, ha- these happen simultaneously? Um, well. I started learning personally about ADD way before I became a coach. And then I went back. When uh, when I left corporate media and broadcast buying and selling, I went and got trained at IPEC and Coach U. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ha- had the generic coach training. And then um, I began to layer the ADD specialization over that as a result of everything that I knew in my life experience. And lo and behold, there's a whole part of the profession totally devoted to ADD coaching. So that's how it happened for me. Ah, okay. But it wasn't the the original intention. Did you realize this is the perfect place for you in coaching? You know, I wasn't really sure. I just knew that coaching was the perfect place for me. Mm-hmm. I have a degree in undergraduate in psychology, and I always thought I wanted to be a therapist. And because I, and coaching also didn't exist. I mean, what, what is it, 14, 15 years old, really, as mm-hmm. a profession? It hasn't been around that long. It's, uh, it, I think it, the coaching is really around, it's about, it's about a quarter of a century, but it's really only, in, yeah, in about the last 15 years that it started to hit places where regular uh, people might start hearing about it. And then in the last five years, of course, it's really been exploding. Correct. So, yeah, so it was, so I knew that coaching was a wonderful, was going to be the right thing for me after all that seeking. And then the ADD specialization just, I didn't go into it for that reason, but that, that evolved and then I knew that that was right too. So, what is uh you know where does this show up how does ADD show up in the workplace ah what a great question so i i do a lot of my my focus is really working with successful business professionals who are either ADD or 
dragging around all these the same traits and having many of the same challenges. So it shows up in great ways and in challenging ways. So why don't I start with the good stuff for a change? Okay, we like good stuff here. Yeah, let's let's start with some of the positive of of what you might see behaviorally in the workplace that could be ADD like behavior. Sure. So it might be someone who is a an amazing a great brainstormer. You know, a high-level thinker because the ADD brain tends to be open to receiving <laughs> multiple streams of input and information at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, they can take in one person's ideas without turning away input from others and be very receptive and flexible. This is why you see a lot of CEOs, you right. see a lot of creatives, art directors, creative directors, ripe with ADD. The ADD employee might come up with ideas that no one else seems to ever think of, probably has too many talents and bright ideas and can't harness it all at once. But they're they're like well like popcorn sometimes. It's just the the creative energy and the brain popping all over the place is wonderful and it can drive people crazy too, especially in in the workplace. But we're going to stick with the good for now. So enjoying working, someone who's really enjoying working with others who because they can compensate for their weaknesses and who appreciate their strengths. Really pioneers, people mm-hmm. creating new movements and spearheading innovation, using their great creative powers. You know, Einstein, JFK, Thomas Edison, these people are all, as we know now, were ADD. Really? Yeah. And here's a great story. You know, um, David Nealman, who started JetBlue Airways. Oh, yeah, sure. Is, you know, by his own admission, wildly ADD. And he, as I'm not sure if you know this, he invented the e-ticket. I did not know that. And, and here's the genius. You know, many of us are, are really brilliant we, because we have laser focus. We, we see things. We're in the road less traveled. Our brains go places people don't, like, like a Nealman. And he invented the e-ticket. Why? Why do you Why? think? Why? <laughs> because he kept on forgetting his ticket when he went to the airport. Exactly. Yeah. He couldn't remember. So think about that, innovation. Uh, that's a phenomenal solution. Yep. So we have that. So, again, profile-wise, we're ADDers. We're the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Never seem to have a dull thought or moment where the, mm-hmm. you know, the employees who are like the greatest, most indispensable person who's probably driving you nuts, but you love the guy. Mm-hmm. He's like the best person to be working with. Uh, we're we're marshalling unbounded energy for products that for projects that that really are interest that mm-hmm. interest us. Sure. So it, like after coworkers are you know running out of steam, we're still going. Have an uncanny ability to jump right into something here, which I always think is funny without planning, and function very well on our feet. So that's part of the impulsivity we were talking about before working to a, in a, in a good way. We're very enthusiastic and passionate for for change, and we're compassionate. We're empathetic. In fact, we're you know people in pain don't really scare us because we understand how they feel. So mm-hmm. it's a great asset. You know, we can be a great asset for any company. So that's a lot on the good side. Now on the, a little bit more challenging side. Mm-hmm. Any questions about that? Uh, no, but it's uh, you know you. You described a lot of things that I think are true about me. So, 
You know, I have to say that yeah. when I have con- – obviously, I've, this is my subject matter and expertise, and so I am talk- I talk about this a lot in a lot mm-hmm. of different places with a, all kinds of different people. And it's rare to ever have a conversation where someone doesn't either say, I think I'm ADD, or my daughter's ADD, or my mother's ADD, or it's so – prevalent and it touches so many of us mm. and it's so unnamed or stigmatized or people make a joke but they really don't have any clue what this thing is all about that's why i really am grateful for this opportunity you're giving me tonight to have a to speak about it and hopefully somebody out there in radio land will hear something that will help them hello out there in radio land <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Radio Land. Uh, because because it's so misunderstood, and there are. Did you know, may or may not, that yes. four to what we know is four to five percent of the U.S. adult population is ADD, which translates probably to twelve average twelve million people, and as of today, eighty five percent of those twelve million are completely undiagnosed and untreated. Hmm. That's a lot of people. Yep, and so you can you can project that into numbers and cost to productivity and cost to the bottom line mm-hmm. in corporate America by not naming this and not having simple solutions to to deal with this. I mean, it's potentially we're talking about billions of dollars. We are talking about billions. In fact, I I, I probably should have sent you, and I could after if you want to uh, put it up some of the studies. I mean, sure. there are significant studies that have been done, and I believe it was $588 billion in lost, lost revenue due to undiagnosed ADD in the workplace. Wow. I could be completely misquoting it, but it is definitely in the billions. There are two studies. Yeah, if you have, like, a link to that, I would definitely yes, put I it do. on the uh, – I would put it in the blog for the page. Mm-hmm. I will send you that because it, that's, that's really compelling information. Wow. Yes. Okay, so stuff. we looked at some of the, the 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 good things, and um, so what what uh, what is an ideal environment for somebody with ADD in the workplace? So, so an ideal environment is where there's support that's readily available, and you can get on the spot answers versus having. A, for example, having a boss that is, you know, providing, you know, managing in a, in a very procedural, bureaucratic fashion, because that's torture. Mm-hmm. We need the support. We need a supervisor says, you know, let's write down your questions and we'll talk about them together in a supervisory session. So we need we need that. We need some independence in an environment. We can't be restricted and, you know, micromanaged. We need which is, you know, sort of probably not that possible all the time, but we need as little stress as possible or more we function better many of us function better with when the stress is a little bit less. Whereas a stimulating job, you know, can challenge you, it can also reduce the stress. We don't want the I guess what I'm trying to say is if it's way too stressful, mm-hmm. our circuits overload and we can't operate and the same person without that kind of stress on them 
can be much more productive. So it's about optimal stimulation. And that's that's an interesting. I mean, some of the things you're, you're describing. I would imagine that uh, a lot of managers who might hear this would just would would like think, no way would I run my my business like that. Even though, if if they were to think a bit in, a, in a, another another perspective, it would more than likely dramatically help their business. But I I would imagine that there's a lot of places where you're not going to find that, unless, of course, you're working for, for Google, which I hear is the best place in the world to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, meaning that I got lost with what you were sure. – I wasn't sure what, where you were going with that. Well, I was going with that is that I would imagine – since I would imagine that, that finding a place to be like that if you were to bring those attributes of a workplace to somebody who could create it, they might just say, oh, yeah, good luck with that. And they're meaning that since you may well be in a place where it's just not going to happen, how how will you, as somebody with ADD, uh, function best in a place where they're just not going to give that kind of support? Well, you're not going to function too great. Okay. You're going to be really stressed out. I mean, again, we we're we're used to take we we attract a lot and we take a lot on. And and I guess with regard to the stress, we do mobilize. We do best with deadlines and stress and high pace. Mm-hmm. So it's ultimately all about balance. And there's a big spectrum of ADD, which I didn't talk about. Not everybody is like that. Some people are are immobilized by their ADD, and they they just collapse under it. Some people get more motivated in the stress. So it's a matter ultimately many times of finding a job that is suitable to who you are because this is a disability. And we can't cram ourselves into every place because it's just not going to work. You know, we're used to tolerating a lot, so you'll get in there, you'll do the job, you'll show up, you'll you'll do the but you'll be miserable. Hmm. until and unless you find another job. There are situations where you need to find another job if you don't want to have that level of stress. Is, does that make sense? Right. So what you're really saying is that if if you can't if if your job does not have those some of those types of qualities of the you know the, the ideal environment that you're you're really just better off finding another place. Very possibly. Yeah, that's the that's the net net. Okay, so you know, of course, there's you know, in a, in a in a tight market, there may not be the kinds of opportunities that there are in a in in, a, in some other times. Oh, I'm really 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 trying to avoid the phrase that I hate in these economic times. Well, right, but that that's sort of going into another conversation, I think, uh-huh. because you know, to come back to what the question of what makes an ideal environment right. for ADDers and why. Yes. You know, so we're not gonna we're not gonna apply. I don't think the conversation to the economic times because the, the, you know it's 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 we're 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 just talking it in the corridor of one conversation, right? And and a lot of people are trapped, and a lot of people are doing things you know for those reasons today right. that are making them miserable. But we're not. I, I think we're just talking about what's a typical environment. Mm-hmm. If there are ADD people listening, yeah. and they're miserable, they're not crazy. They may be in an environment that can't support who they are or what they need. For example, I, I wrote an article about uh, 
bosses, good bosses and bad bosses. Mm -hmm. And there are both out there. We need, and I have had both. There was one boss who was very critical of me and who micromanaged me and who didn't support me. And as a result, my, my performance, well, sales was great, but what I felt like was horrible all the time. You begin to get paranoid and you're just not, you're just not on your game. You're not happy. Versus another boss who would say, okay, come on, come in. What, what can I help you with? Let's look at it together. Right. And it was a completely different thing. And so we need, it became very clear that I need, needed to find and be with people who would be like boss number two. That was my choice. Mm-hmm. So we need to have, meaning, a place where ADD behaviors are more tolerated. And you're not talking about, that's another conversation, you're not talking about ADD in the workplace. We're, we're not talking about it head mm-hmm. on. With managers, we don't go in and talk about it. That's a whole other conversation. Ah. Yeah, um, there, there are a lot of schools of thought on that. And th- that's really an important other conversation, too. But you know we need we need orderly environment around. We need good orderly direction. We need tolerant people around. We need short. We we love short term projects that have beginning, middle, and end. And we need help with long term projects. You know we need freedom and autonomy and opportunities to create work that stimulates and challenges us in positive ways and breaks from long conferences or long meetings and helpful colleagues and compassionate people and there are those environments that's what will work best okay and what's and you know really what what i'm just trying to get to is that until you're there what do you do meaning until you're in the, the environment that is going to support you oh mm. what what are some things somebody could do to deal with things better. So, well, so if you're in a if you're in a situation, you mean where it's not a cooperative environment. Yeah, and let's say you, you you're looking, you you know that you need to find something that's going to work for you better, but until you do, you you have to do something, right? So I would, you know, so again, that's a really tough question. Uh, and we all know there's no simple answer to that. I, I think a lot of that is in the communication piece. It's probably, however, whatever kind of uh, higher power you have, it's probably mm-hmm. about looking to to other ways of of getting support outside of the workspace. Because if you're if you're talking about a situation where it's not going to happen there, no way, no how. Or, or maybe it just might take too long. I mean, you, like what, you may start the process. You may go to a place, start be in a place, and 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 try to affect change. It will create that supportive environment, but that might not happen overnight. Well, it would never happen overnight unless your manager, you know, which can happen overnight. Had mm-hmm. that too, where the horror manager disappeared or you know quit, and then a new person came in. Or I've had the opposite too, where a great manager, you know. Uh, left and then a horror show came in. So we the the point is that we have to make the best of it whatever it is for whoever's paying the giving us a paycheck. Yes. And that that evolves making concessions and communicating with people and and I think it's always an opportunity to grow. 
you know, through that through that time, and Absolutely. to have a structure and a game plan, and be very intentional as to what you're doing, so you're not coming and being a victim every day, and complaining and 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 feeling trapped. You may feel trapped, but you'll know that you're not if you have a plan, an exit plan, and a strategy on a daily basis. And so, so what we're looking for, though, is you know, practical solutions for decreasing your frustration. Yeah. So, but we're talking about two different things. You're talking now about practical solutions for decreasing frustration when you're in a bad when you're in a in a bad work environment. Right. Versus practical solutions that you might ask for in an environment that's going okay. Yeah, and that well, that's another one. So I guess we can do one at a time. Right. I mean, for for ADD, it, 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 again, in the, in the ADD quadrant, we're talking about there are a lot of practical solutions yeah. that you can have around you when you're in your job to maximize your efficiency. For example, you want to create ongoing accountability around you 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 know for 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 the adults struggling with ADD I always like to say structure equals freedom so left to our own devices we we would tend to meander to put it mildly run around so, in circles right exactly so mm-hmm. the structure holds and the accountability holds that in place and enables us to be more productive so we we also we like to work in small spurts rather than long hauls this is like if, for a manager was working with an ADD employee, these are some of the things that, as and if they're willing to work together, and there are environments, there are great companies who are want to make investments, and I think this is important to say, who are willing to invest in their people rather than just like in my old business. My husband used to say, your business doesn't invest in people, they just fill slots. Right. And there are a lot of companies. For ADDers, it's worth our time to find companies that, want to invest in their human capital. Can you imagine? Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? No. <laughs> well, if you ever get to watch it, it's a very, very funny movie. Uh, it's probably the ADD's person's nightmare. Because? Uh, just the kind of, it's like the anti-supportive work environment. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's just, you know, it's that we just can't be, we can't be at our best because we're so used to being criticized and so petrified on some level inside anyway that you just need to be fortified and not you know not not criticized all the time Absolutely. so uh you know so again breaking tasks down into smaller tasks a lot of encouragement about making lists and introducing this concept you know of getting help so that you can be productive so whether it's you know it's at work whether it's being sure that you have a good uh, assistant or, or or there's a great bookkeeper or a good mm-hmm. filing system. Uh, I remember one job I had. I think it was before I was even diagnosed, but when I was selling, you know, a gazillion television stations and four levels of management accountability and 18 buyers and 40 emails every 
10 minutes threatening to get shut out of pieces of business. And there was a lot, a lot of detail and a lot of transaction going on. And I remember my assistant was really not good, really not good. And as a result, I was imploding because I could not do my job uh, unless I had a great help. So we have to have that in place. Otherwise, it's just a nightmare. So an environment for for a company to recognize that and give that support and help will only make maximize the potential of the employee. Mm. Uh, you know, have the right kind of supplies around. That sounds basic, but it's really, really true. Focus on jobs, you know, again, that maximize our strengths and uh you know, so so these kinds of things. And do do you come into companies and help them uh, create an environment? You know, I haven't. My my business has been really doing one on one work with with business professionals. But my next frontier is really to uh, begin having conversations with HR and within companies, just from an educational point of view so that, that I can be in the toolbox and that they may understand what it is they're dealing with when it comes up and then know where to go to get help for it. Yes, I could really see you uh, coming into a, into a, a corporate environment and, and transforming that in a way that creates a win for the ADD employees, it creates a win for the company, creates a, you know, a win at the bottom line based on what you were telling me earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The the challenge around that, which I'm working very hard to to work with, is around as we started the call around the stigma of ADD mm-hmm. and you cannot diagnose. And there's there are legal ramifications, there are disability, there you know, from an HR perspective. However, having said that, it's all in the conversation and, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, there, there is no reason for for anyone not to pay attention to this because it's hugely impacting their bottom line. It's impacting the well-being of their employees. It's impacting their productivity. It's impacting everything. And there's really, some really simple, mm-hmm. easy ways to to work with it. And you just said that you work primarily one-on-one. Do you do any other kinds? Do you, do you do any um, uh, workshops or anything like that? No, I don't do workshops. I I really, that's not my my model. I really love what we're doing here. I really mm-hmm. love the town hall format. I love questions. I love you know speaking. I'm really a, a specifics kind of girl. I really gotcha. love working in the specific of what the it is as opposed to sort of talking about concepts all the time, like okay, we did so with the keys. That means, yes. So that means that somebody listening to the show, if they want to be working with you, Nancy, they're not going to be finding you at a workshop or a, a seminar, but they're going to be working directly with you. Yes, absolutely. So now would be a good time with uh, four minutes remaining in the show for you to let people know how to do that. So the easiest way to do that would be to go to my website, which is nancysnell, S-N-E-L-L dot com, read through, see if you identify, look at some of the the programs that I have and the way I coach and, and some of the 
offerings that I have. And then reach out, send me an email or call, and we'll set up a 30-minute complimentary conversation to see and talk about possibilities to see if we're the right right team. Awesome. So, uh, so that means anybody will want to want to find your email address or phone number, they'll find it on Nancy. It's nancysnell.com. Mm-hmm. And they could follow you on Twitter at Coach Nancy Snell. Yes. Great. Well, Nancy, I want to thank you so very much for being with us here tonight and for some terrific information. And I look forward to uh, going out and getting my double-sided tape. Can't wait. And I want to thank everyone for listening. We're going to be back next week, next Thursday night, and I want you all to have an outstanding next seven days. You can find me on www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me at Coach Andrew on Twitter. Thank you and good night, everyone.